I want to talk to you about a question that's been brought to me for years and years, and every born-again believer needs to settle this issue. You would not and will not understand what I'm talking about tonight if you haven't read the Bible a few times and if you haven't read the New Testament a few times, especially. And if you haven't read the Old Testament, you haven't read the New Testament much, and you're going to maybe, this will be maybe a new thought to you because this, this is so against the world's philosophy of doing things. But I don't care what the world does. I care what God does. I care his philosophy of doing things. And the only way you're going to get the philosophy of Jesus, the philosophy of Jehovah God, is to read the Bible. We say, Brother Bill, I'm saved, have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you, and he'll interpret the Word of God for you, and he'll even intercede in prayer for you. But he's not going to teach you the Word of God if you won't read it, or if you won't listen to it. You can listen to it. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Alexander Scorby, scorby scorby.com. You can get the Bible for 20 bucks. He'll read you the whole thing in the most astute, fabulous, diction-wise, pronunciation-wise, pleasant-to-hear voice you have ever heard in your life. Or Alexander Scorby. He did it in 1953 and is long gone. I believe the guy was saved and did a good job on narrating that. So let me read real quickly. some. These are kind of long passages, but I want to set the stage. Uh, Answering a question that is a very narrow question, but it really goes, it goes in, expands to a broad principle, is why do I not, as pastor of Gospel Baptist Church, uh, why am I not a member of and why do I not support the local ministerial association? Now, through the years, I've always been asked to uh, join the local ministerial association. What is that? That's the Association of the Episcopalian Presbyterian Methodists, United Methodists, and there's two or three groups of each. There's Presbyterian U.S., Presbyterian USA. There's different groups among the Presbyterians, different groups among the Episcopalians, different groups among the Methodists, different groups among the Church of Christ, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so all of those various uh, denominations you hear about, uh, they get together. Their preachers oftentimes, they have the ministerial association. In fact, the hospitals in our local area I want you to be a member of the Ministerial Association to be able to have free visiting rights to the hospital. I've been and I've gone to war about that. Um, and if they, if you're not part of them, and if you are part of the Ministerial Association and they do allow you to visit in those hospitals, you must sign a paper that promises you will not proselyte anyone. I can't do that. I'm proselyting everybody's breeze, brother. Proselyte meaning if I can tell them to believe the Bible and do better and, you know, please God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, especially in the hospital when people are dying. Well, anyway, let me go into the principle of the thing. Uh, Psalm 26, verse uh, 4 and 5 says, I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. These are people devoted to wickedness. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through chapter 7, verse 1 is part of those memory verses these young guys are doing. Uh, in, in, uh, starting in verse 14, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Yoke simply means in business together with them, uh, join in a group with them, 
join hands with them, whether it be business or whether it be in another way, uh, you know, say hi to them, be pleasant to them, uh, but do not get intimate in your relationships with them as far as organizational relationships because when God judges them, he'll have to judge you with them. And you don't want to be part of that. But the warning's clear here. He says, For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? None. What communion hath light with darkness? None. What concord hath Christ with Belial? None. What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? None. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? None. For ye are the temple of the living God, and God has said, I will dwell in them, walk in them, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And this is a key verse, verse 17 of, of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them, that's the conclusion, the principle, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Now, what's he talking about? These different things he mentioned. Uh, and I will receive you, and I will be a father, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So, <clears throat> Women will come to me, they'll fall in love with an unsaved man, and they'll say he's a wonderful man, he's a nice man. Does he know Christ as Savior? No, but I believe I'm going to marry him. And I always give the same advice, I always take him to the principle, the principle, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. As sweet as Branson is, I, wouldn't, I would not have advised Hannah to marry him had he not been born from above. I, if, if I hated Hannah, I would tell her to go ahead and marry him. But if I loved him and said, he's not saved, I like the guy, he's got a nice personality, he's from Virginia, how can you lose? <laughs> but don't marry him, because he's not born from above. Be not yoked. And of course, there's no stronger yoke than marriage. Because I've, never, I've known many people who married unsaved spouses with the good intention that they were going to convert them, and they did not. And the spouse went their whole life a lot of times giving this saved individual such a hard time. And, of course, I'm the one that hears the regrets. I'm the one where they come in the office and weep, say, you know, I've been 40 years with this man. He's still, I knew a woman that came to church on Sunday night. She says, preacher, I'm here tonight, but it's going to cost me. I said, what do you mean? He says, he always, he always beats me when I go home. I says, well, I can help you. Call 911. She said, oh, no, no. And she never did. And she'd still come on Wednesday, on Sunday night. She'd say, I'm here. It's going to call. He'll, he'll punish me for this. Eventually, I mean, I'll tell you what. It's, it's a wild thing to have people coming under persecution, women coming under persecution. But there's various ways of punishing people besides beating them. You can verbally beat them. You can run them down. You can make their life miserable. You can be harsh on them. And all of that happens. All of that happens. Uh, what regrets? In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there was a uh, this, the church at Corinth. Man, it was a messed up. You know, Paul didn't want to stay in Corinth when he went there. It was a mess. The city was a, it was a port city. It was wicked city. Uh, it was vile. In fact, the, they've unearthed the original main streets of Corinth, and they were so vile when they were unearthing it that they put sheets over the stuff they unearthed because it was depicted various immoral acts. 
uh, publicly. That was a public. Imagine what they did in private, you know. So when Paul went to Corinth, he said, uh, 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 they're going to kill me here for sure. And Paul wasn't a hero like you think he was. He wasn't trying to die for Christ. He was trying to live for Christ. And so he went in there, and if it wouldn't have been Jesus telling him, look, I got a lot of people in this city. I want you to stay here, and I'll, I'll make you a deal. I'll protect you if you stay here. Now, he hadn't always protected Paul. Paul had been beaten to death in Lystra. And if you read the list of the things Paul went through, he was not always protected. God does not always see fit to protect you from suffering. Boy. The health and wealth people are squealing on that. They will literally squeal on that. But the Bible is on our side because we're interpreting it the way it is. I had a guy that was a health and wealth guy and was telling me how wonderful and lovely and sweet God always is to you and always helps you. And I said, he does. Well, why don't you tell that to the apostles? Who every one of them died a martyr but one. Now, they were the sweet. They were his sweet friends. I mean, they walked with him and got educated by him and saw his miracles yet it was in God's plan the best plan that they become martyrs and it wasn't pleasant it wasn't well we got a, we got a strange idea of God we're so feely touchy that everything's got to go good or where it can't be from God but that'll mess you up you got to read the Bible man go to the book it'll tell you who God is so in 1 Corinthians, they had a mess, all kinds of immorality stuff went on. Many people did get saved, but they were babies and having trouble. It said, it's reported commonly among you that there was fornication among you. Such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. Now here's the way that was. A man had married his dad's wife, which was his stepmother. So he wasn't related to the woman, but he was legally related. And, you know, Leviticus deals with that. You can't, you can't have relationships with your stepmother or your stepfather and every other perverted thing out there. And so he's basically bringing this up to him, and he says, you're puffed up, but rather, you should rather be mourned, you should have mourned, that he had done this deed might be taken away from among you. And so he tells him kind of what to do with a guy. He says, and he concludes in verse 9 through 13, he says, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Now, now, now he explains himself. Not, all to get, not, not altogether with fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, and then must you needs go out of the world. He says, I don't want you to, to accompany, get around fornicators. But he has to explain himself. Otherwise, he just told them, get away from everybody in Corinth, because they were the whole batch of them were messed up. But he's not talking about everybody in Corinth. He's talking about a very specific group in Corinth, believers. He says, but now I've written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother, doesn't mean he is a brother, but he's called a brother, makes a profession of faith, be a fornicator or covetous or idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, Listen to what he says, with such and one, know not to eat. Don't even go out for a brunch. Don't go out for lunch. Don't go out for breakfast. Don't go out for supper. Don't go out in any kind of social event. Because almost all social events are around eating, amen? Brother John, I'm here, buddy. I know you worked hard today, brother, but thank you for coming. 
but I'm going to keep you awake. But Mike, I'm assigning John to you. That's my that's my almost my adopted stepson. Uh, I get them. I got a few of them. And so he says, for what, he's in verse twelve. For what have I to do to judge them that are without? I'm not judging the world. He said, Do not you judge them that are within? He says, But those that are claiming to be born again Christians, I I do have some judgment on them. But them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. So basically, and I'm not going into the whole chapter trying to explain all that to you, and I probably raised more questions than answers, but I didn't want to do that. But I want to get at this. They were forbidden to fellowship with a brother that was in sin. Are you with me? It was, it was, it was, uh, what am I going to say, willful sin. It was obvious sin. It was chosen to be that way, right? And they were in it. They didn't want to get out of it, evidently. They didn't want to get out of it. And so he says, if you know somebody like that, that calls yourself a brother, don't eat with them. Don't do anything with them. Don't do anything social with them. Now, if it's a world, unsaved people that don't have any claim to Christ, you can fellowship with them. You can eat with them. You can do stuff with them. Jesus did. Jesus ate with sinners. In Romans chapter 16, verse 17, 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they are such that serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and have good, by good words and fair speeches deceived the hearts of the simple. In 2 Timothy, in the book of 2 Timothy, don't look, there are six individual people he mentions by name. Let's see if I get this right. Philegius, Hermogenes, Hymenius, Philetus, Demas, and Alexander. I did it. He names them specifically to stay away from them. These are people that are called brothers in the church that Paul writes Timothy in 2 Timothy and says these six people are, are bad news, they're backslidden. And stay away from them. Okay? God cares about the purity of the body of Christ. Contrary to popular opinion, God cares about the purity of his church. You know, the principle of a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump is still in effect as a principle. The truth is, biblically, evil influences and spoils good more than good influences evil. Evil, like a little bacteria, will grow and infest the purest lump of people or local church. Evil, once infected in a local body, it can be very, very painful for that local body and costly for that local body to take out, to remove. Many non-believers will be negatively affected once the infected body begins to die. That's the body of believers, a local church area. The smell of this decomposing will spread through the neighborhood like roadkill. Jesus' name will be evil spoken of among those who need him most, which is the world around that local. How many times does that happen in a local church? 
2 Peter 2.2 2 says, And many shall follow their pernicious ways, but by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken. I'm talking about false prophets here. People that claim to be Christian and are hypocrites. People that claim to be Christian and are perverting or twisting the word of God. People are turned away from the truth because of that. People like, uh, to name some names in our time, uh, Baker. What was his first name? Jim Baker, Jimmy Swagger, seen a prostitute, open wicked, up there preaching Sunday after Sunday, telling you how to live, Well, they're out there being a hypocrite. Let me tell you, that hurts you and I when we go door to door. Christian? Ha! You folks ain't Christian. Your leadership is out there having a, a, a fling. And hundreds, yea, thousands have done that in damaging the local church. We are not to have fellowship with people who damage the local church. The key to stopping this horrible scenario is simply stop the infection at the beginning when it's small when it's easy to overcome and fewer folks will be affected. At Gospel Baptist Church here, let me just give them 41 years I've been here. In our church, through the last 41 years, we've excised a few church people. I had to discipline them, and we've had to cast them out. I have suffered a lot of heat for trying to do the right thing. Um... I've had to tell some of these people that if you step on our campus, we will call the police, have you arrested, cuffed, and stuffed. And that'll be the easiest thing we do for you because if you stay here and cause trouble, Brother Gilbert, Gilbert will take care of you. <laughs> and once them boys get started, I'm not sure we can stop them. But you don't want our security team to do it. It's sad. I had a vacation Bible school one year, and three teenagers showed up to destroy the vacation Bible school, and I called the police. They showed up, and they were getting ready to arrest them boys. And they said that boys wanted to repent, you know, and all of a sudden wanted to they got a, They all of a sudden got a spirit of repentance. I said, oh, no, boys. I told the officer, cuff them, stuff them, take them down, book them, fingerprint them, strip search them, and call their parents. Oh, preacher. Preacher, please, please, preacher. I say, you shouldn't have shown up and done that. You shouldn't have shown up and done that. The cop said, you sure you want me to do that? I said, I really do. But we let him off. <laughs> they never gave us another ounce of trouble. People... Do not really divide over personalities or age or national background. We love people from Brazil. We don't mind people from L.A. You know, we'll tolerate people from Colorado. You can be from New York City. It ain't easy. It ain't easy, but if you come from New York City, we're going to try to love you. We're going to give it a shot. Some of the rudest people in the United States and the planet are New York City. But we love them. 
I'll never forget McKinney one day got up here. He was upset, and he said, I wish you Canadians would go home and take a New Yorker under each arm. <laughs> oh, my brother, that did not go over well. My brother, we had some people from New York here. And it wasn't NYNY. It was, it, well, yeah, it was NYNY, New York, New York City. But he was, I knew him, and I knew he was just frustrated, and he didn't mean the Canadians to do that. It's a joke. There's really no, I, there's no age gap or nationality gap or geography gap or skin color gap, really. There's no gap like that. But I'll tell you what really is a gap. Ideology. Can two walk together? Let's say be agreed. A house divided against itself will fall. Ideology. Not color. Not location of where you were grew up, where you grew up, what language you speak. Those things don't really hold you apart at all. But it'll hold you apart your ideology. And when you get a person that's called a believer. It comes as a wolf in sheep's clothing among a local body of believers, and you allow them to go around and pillage your people. You are sacrificing the permanent on the elder of the immediate. The immediate is, it's going to be unpleasant for you to ask those people not to come back. It's going to be unpleasant for you to deal with the problem. But if you cut it out while it's small, it would be a whole lot easier than when it's big. I get skin cancer. I've had every, I, I, I won the trifecta. I've had all three of them. I've had them over and over again. I've had squamous a few times, basal cell numbers of times, and melanoma once. And every time I get a little something right, rise up on me, they want to cut it off. I'm getting tired of getting cut on, I'll be honest with you. But I've learned something about skin cancer. Get it while it's early. Get it earlier this time. This is early. Look at my hair. It's gone. That's early. That was so early that they were stunned. They couldn't believe I found it. Had I allowed it to grow another six months, there'd be no ear there at all. And maybe a hole inside of my head with, with a little horn sticking out. <laughs> Had I let it go a little further, and it would have gone down into my lymph glands, and, 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 and the, uh, I hate to say it, but barrels will be up here preaching. <laughs> and you'd be privileged to have that happen. There's no, there's no gap between us. There's an ideology gap. And what a, what, a, what a brother that is not right with God is doing is spreading false, false ideology or divisive, or as <laughs> Chris Paul would say, divisive. Divisive ideology. Uh, somebody practicing immorality, which is clearly, clearly condemned in the Bible, and the church is silent about it. What, does the church, what is the church really saying ideologically? If the church knows somebody in their midst that's committing immorality and does nothing about it because it'll cause a stink, it'll cause some people to leave, it'll cause a little war, they got to excise it. But they go, that's just too much price to pay. Then what is that church really saying about that? Here's what they're saying. Thank you for asking. Number one, immorality is not that bad. 
If you don't judge it like God tells you to judge it, then you're basically saying it's not that bad. You're saying uh, a different ideology of the Bible than what the Bible says. Eh. You know, the Bible's not that specific. The Bible doesn't really mean what it says. When it says flee from fornication and judge brothers in fornication and all what I just read you, plus other verses I did not read you. It doesn't mean what it says. And what this does, it creates anarchy and it gives false teaching a momentum in the local church. Pretty soon immorality can be accepted or at least ignored. And Jesus Christ's message to the world is literally changed in that area. And he is misrepresented to the neighborhood. And he is something less than absolutely holy. You've changed the doctrine. You've changed the ideology. You don't want to do that. So let me go back in the last few minutes I have here and try to reason why I'm not a part of the local ministerial association. Because all the major line denominations are full of pastors who deny much of the Bible. And if you're, you are naive tonight, if you don't believe that the vast majority of the mainline denominations, the vast majority of their pastors do not believe 80, 90% of what the Bible says. Many of them will only preach out of the Beatitudes. That's all the part. And they don't really believe how much of that is true or not true, but they just like the Beatitudes. That's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That's it. You start talking about virgin birth, come on now. You start talking about creation even, come on now. Every scientist out there, 96% of all the scientists believe in evolution. That's because 96% of all the scientists are lost. What do you expect them to believe? And they'll go on and on. And, and so how can I sit down at a table with a person that is, that is basically by their unbelief and position is devoted to destroying the body of Christ. How can I do that? I can't do that. Because I, I am, the Bible even says in, in 2 John, if you uh, wish an evildoer God's speed, you're a particular, partaker of his evil deeds. Now, what is God's speed? If I go to Joe Witness, they come to my house sometimes. Joe Witness, they don't come to my house anymore. Where I live, they don't come anymore. But when I lived in St. Cross Park, they came every four or five months. I come by and I, and uh, when I got done talking to him, I did not wish him a good day. I did not say, uh, God bless. I did not use any of my normal uh, salutations because the Bible said don't do it. Ideology. Do not wish him God's speed, which is a salutation of vaya con Dios, if you speak Spanish. You wouldn't say that. Because they are dedicated to destroying what Jesus died for. Same thing with any cult or misrepresentation or evil worker group. That, and I don't want to name any more, but there's many more. And so I can't, sit, I can't sit next to Episcopalian that doesn't believe in inspiration of scriptures, doesn't believe in the deity of Christ, believes Jesus really was a, probably a Roman soldier, son. Uh, you know, they this have no... no concept of Bible doctrine being specific. It's just, you know, collected truths that some may be right, some may not be right. You say, how do you know? Well, I went to Episcopalian's house years ago, knocked on the door, and he was a pastor. 
Episcopalian church, and he says, Why don't you, are you a fundamental Baptist? I said, yeah, I'm independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, King James Bible, uh, bus ministry, soul-winning, door-to-door. I didn't do all that. I said, we're down the road, yeah. He said, well, I want to know something. Why don't you come to our ministerial association? We miss you guys. None of you independent Baptists have come to our association. We want you to come. You're part of the body. I said, I said, are you part of the body? I said, do you believe in the doctrine of salvation by grace through faith, minus nothing, you know, plus nothing? Pretty soon talking to him, he did not believe the Bible's representation of the doctrine of salvation. Now, that's the most, that's the most fundamental of all the doctrines. How do you get saved? And he, didn't, he believed he had to have some works with it. I said, you can't have works. If you add works to it, you do, you're earning it, and it's undeserved, and it's a gift from God, and it's by grace, through faith, and I go into the verses. But he don't weigh the Bible's important. So what I'm saying is they're pleasant, they're sweet, they've got nice personalities, they, they, they'll come and greet you in the hospital when you're sick, they'll visit, they'll visit you at home, but they don't believe the book. I can't have anything to do with them. Methodist, Methodist, my goodness, the Methodist church is so tore up. They got women preachers. They got women deacons. They got, they're even going to legal in some cases, some sects, they've legalized homosexuality or accepted it as part of, by the way, mega churches are just getting ready. They're right on the edge. You're going to, if you live so long, if things don't reverse in direction, we have revival. These mega churches are going to approve, sanction homosexuality. Right on the edge. Diverse lifestyle. They're not going to call it homosexuality. They're going to call it just diverse lifestyle. And they're going to use real pretty names like gay. They stole a good word. And they're going to dread. But those people, and, and so how do we behave? Luke, uh, Ephesians, not Luke. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Well, if you're out eating with them and socializing with them, you can't reprove them. So by us separating from them and saying we can't go do things with you and we can't join your ministerial association, we can't, it's a reproof to them. And that's what, that's what the, God wants them to be reproved. So that why? They'll repent and get saved. It's not God's will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So even by our so-called mean behavior, it is really in, in tenderness from God so that they will wake up, realize that they're doing wrong. By the way, that guy in Corinth, he did repent. When the church got down on him and gave him over to Satan for the structure of his body that his soul may be saved in the day of Jesus Christ, uh, they brought him up to, 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 to deliver him over to Satan. He repented of what he did with his stepmom and was spared and the church was spared all that trouble and that old boy was saved we got that from the book of second corinthians so glory to god sometimes it works amen you say well brother bill how far does it go well brother sometimes got to test you on this my own brother never did i have a friend so close as my brother jim and he chose to turn away from the truth. And when he did that, 
I haven't eaten with him or gone to any social event with him and done a thing with him for now 11 years. It was where the rubber meant the road. I think God kind of whispered in her and said, you've been preaching this. I wonder if you'll do it. Yeah. I will do it. Now, I talk to him, and I'm, I'm cordial to him, and I'm not, not bitter at him. I'm not bitter, by the way. I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. I'm not bitter. I'm sick of heart at what he did. And I've been praying. I pray night after night after night. My wife and I, my wife's here, that he repent and get right with God about that. Before he dies, 79-year-old man. And uh, you say, Brother Bill, you mean, you mean yeah, my own, my own, uh, my own brother. First, Titus chapter 3, verse 10 says, a man that is a heretic, that's one that goes too far, gets off of the biblical doctrine and ideology. For a man that is a heretic, after the first, second admonition, reject. Do what? Some people have come to me and said, oh, brother, that you're never going to win homosexuality by preaching against it. Well, you're never going to win them by hugging them and giving them a kiss on the cheek and telling them it's okay because it is not okay. We're not bitter at them. We're not, we're not mean, but we're not going to condone it any way, any shape, or any form. You cannot. Because if you condone it, you condemn Jesus who died so that they could be saved. And they're only going to get saved just like you got saved. Let me say this. People want to make out homosexuality, lesbianism, transvestitism as something. Look, you'll go to hell just for sure, just as sure for fornication, just as sure for adultery, just as sure for, for blasphemy. Just as sure for, for uh, malignity and all those other sins you read the other night on this screen. You're going to go to hell for every one of them. If you don't repent of your sin, you're going to hell. And you ain't going to hell one, hell two, or hell three. And so we believe that people can repent of those sins, all, any sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, can cleanse anybody if they'll repent. So how the homosexual going to get right with God? You're going to tell him his sin's wicked and he's going to die and go to hell without Jesus, but yet he don't have to. Jesus came and he died. He was buried. He rose again the third day. If they'll repent, they can go to heaven. That's how you got saved. That's how they'll get saved. I like the guy who put a, put a big old CD out. Boy, people were all, how to witness effectively to Muslims. And boy, everybody wants to know, how do I witness to a Muslim? Here's the way you do it. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, how do you witness for, to, to an to a Islamic? Uh, for by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves, a gift of God, not of works, that any man should boast. You witness, listen, a Muslim's going to get saved, a Jehovah's Witness is going to get saved, a Mormon's going to get saved, anybody out there, a wicked fornicator, a transvestite, or anything, if they get saved, they're going to get saved just the way you got saved. Because your sin was wicked and vile and filthy before God also. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's good preaching whether you know it or not. I know I feel better about it. <laughs> Father, thank you tonight for a few minutes together. Anoint us from heaven. Help us to have good understanding of the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 
If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.